0: whoa 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 hang on a moment yes you know what time it is this is jen your host and this podcast is all about taking agency and owning yourself and every week on this show i'm gonna help you use your voice stand in your power and operate from a place of self Hello lovely and welcome to this week's episode of Hang On A Moment. Now when I say this week it's been three weeks since I last recorded an episode and that was because life got in the way um, and things got very busy so I may be dropping this down to less periodic than weekly episodes but watch this space to see how it unfolds. So this week um I wanted to just go straight into talking about a very straightforward topic and it's been a topical situation for me over the past three weeks based on some of my own experiences and also a client that I've been working with. And it's a really simple topic today. It's really just talking about you doing you. And I think we put so much attention on what other people think of us. And I am guilty of this myself. As I always say when I do these podcasts, I don't come as a holier than thou. I come with life experience and learned experience and solutions to hopefully some of the issues that you're facing. And as you know, this podcast is all around having agency and owning yourself. And having agency is all around being responsible for the direction of your own life. And owning yourself is about you know, accepting everything about who you are and taking responsibility. And, you know, in past episodes, we've talked about um, accountability, radical self-responsibility, and, you know, various other topics that all tie into that. And, you know, at the very, very beginning, when I did a bit of an overview as to what does it mean when we own ourself, um, you know, I also talked about some of the things that I'm going to talk about on today's episode. But, Really, what I wanted to just explain today is that, you know, we are all products of our own environments. We are products of our culture, our past, our childhood, the relationships we've had, our genetics, our epigenetics. Therefore, we're all unique. And I think one of the things that we have to understand as a result of that is that it's very easy to give advice to somebody else. But that advice that you give them might not be the right advice for them. It could be, but they will perceive that and receive it in a totally different way and even, you know, act on it in a different way than you would because we are all different. And therefore, it's sometimes very hard to take advice from somebody else as well because of that same reason. And, you know, we all have different ways of being. We all have different personalities. We all have different strengths and different weaknesses. We've all been shaped by certain things, which I'm going to cover in a moment. And what's become quite obvious to me in the last few weeks is that sometimes when we share our experiences with other people, people swoop in to fix you. And sometimes that's not what you want. You don't want to be fixed. You just want to be accepted for how you're feeling. And you just want somebody to acknowledge you and, you know, hold space for you basically. And sometimes you just need to hold space for yourself. And I think, you know, that's one of the hardest things I've talked about in a previous episode about being vulnerable and how empowering that is. Um, But, you know, recently I've also had a conversation with somebody who said they didn't like being vulnerable and therefore you know for that person that was very disempowering and you know they felt weak they felt um unhappy with that side of them and you know this is this is this is exactly what i'm saying that you know case in point that we one f- will feel one way and the person next to us might feel something completely different and there is No right or wrong. Of course, there's best practice in all aspects of life. There's best practice in well-being. There's best practice in psychology. um, There's best practice in anything to do around mental health, physical health. But, you know, it doesn't always work exactly the same way for certain people. For example, you know, as a personal trainer... I could not take a cookie cutter approach with all of my clients when I was training them because they've got different, so many different variables. You know, let's just start with the height and the weight. Then let's start with their body type. You know, are they a mesomorph or an ectomorph or an endomorph? Um, and then let's, you know, let's talk about their body clock and, you know, their exercise habits and let's talk about their dislikes and that, you know, and before you, you've got that, you've, you know, you cannot give somebody the same approach. Now, people will benefit from a to some extent from a cookie cutter approach. For example, you might be doing a 10k run and you can easily download a 10k run, um, running plan off the internet and it's definitely going to help you, but it's not tailored. And I think this is the key thing about life, life and people's advice and people's understanding of each other. It's not tailored because we're all doing it through the eyes of ourself. We're all doing it for our own experiences. And we might think that our advice is amazing and we might give that to somebody else. Or somebody might give us advice because they think it's amazing. They might think that their word is gospel, but actually it might be to them, but it might not be to you. And I think it's just become so apparent that we're all in this situation called life. And, you know, we go through life feeling like we want to fix or we want to be fixed or feeling like we're at the top of our game or, you know, we're inspired by somebody who's at the top of theirs. But everybody's, you know, backstory and everybody's future will be different. We don't walk the same paths and we don't feel the same things. And I think, you know, it's a really key quality to recognize this in terms of your own struggles and your own achievements and also others because we can't possibly give the best advice to somebody else because only that person knows themselves but ultimately sometimes we outsource our requirements by asking for advice and, you know, I guess if we ask for it, then, you know, we're we're partially accepting that, you know, someone's going to give us advice that might not normally sit in our framework. But we, you know, we've, we've actively gone out and asked for that. So that's a, a different scenario. You know, we're, we're wanting some external support. Um, but, you know, there are times where we think that somebody wants to hear something and they probably don't want to hear it or they just want to be you know, handled with a level of compassion and we need to handle ourselves with a level of compassion and grace as well, because, you know, it's absolutely okay to be you and it's absolutely okay to not be good and it's absolutely okay to be freaking amazing in life because we go through those cycles you know we will go through a scenario where you know life is amazing and everything's you know you know cooking on gas and then we'll go through situations where life just feels like we cannot take any more in because we've just reached capacity and it's about understanding you know what our needs are not what anybody else's needs are but what our needs are and you know just being I wouldn't even say in love with ourselves, because sometimes it's impossible to feel love for yourself when you're not happy with who you are, or you're not happy in your own skin. But it's about acceptance. And really, that's all we can do is just accept ourselves and own ourselves with grace and compassion. So earlier, I just said about, you know, there are things in life that shape us. And I think it's really important when we're talking about things like radical self responsibility, and we're talking about owning yourself, we're talking about trying to get a basically a blueprint of who you are not of who the perfect person is but who you are because once you know who you are you can then benchmark yourself against somebody or something that you aspire to be and that's not what society aspires you to be or that's not what somebody else aspires you to be it's what you aspire to be and You know, with the greatest one in the world, I don't know many people who are happy with themselves hundred percent. You know, even the people who might look on the outside that they've got this perfect life, they may not be feeling that on the inside, or they may still be growing or aspiring to be more, do more, and you know, have more. And you know, we 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 have to accept that we're all on a journey. We're always on a journey, but we need to know, like, what is it that shaped us? And I think this is a big part of this whole radical self-responsibility and this owning ourselves and this doing you for you and being you for you and not being judged or not feeling judged or not, you know, even not accepting judgment because sometimes accepting judgment creates shame. And when someone judges us and we don't feel happy about that, we then feel really shamed about it. And, you know, one person's perception doesn't define you. It's just that one person out of however many six odd billion people we have in this world. um, You know, it doesn't define you what somebody else thinks of you. And it's easy to get consumed by one person's opinion, especially if that person is somebody quite important in your life. Uh, Or, you know, again, if you're giving your opinion to somebody because that's somebody close to you or somebody you want to see win or you want to help. But it's not. It's not you. It's not your responsibility to help that person. It's their responsibility. And it's easy to get carried away with trying to help others. And likewise, people trying to help you because, you know, we sometimes come at it from this place of wanting to fix people, as I've said. But I think the main thing is just, you know, being happy in your own skin and being accepting of yourself you know, so what is it that shapes us? Well, as we go through life, there is so much that turns us into who we are. And it was really interesting because I saw a quote a couple of weekends ago, and it was by this wonderful relationship coach called Gillian Tarecki. And um, I follow her on social media and she's amazing. She's got, you know, I think well over a million followers and no wonder because she really speaks with a lot of sense. And you know, a big part of what she talks about is cultivating good relationships with others, intimate relationships, romantic relationships. And this particular um, quote, or this particular statement that she put up was about bringing, you know, accepting that when you come to the table with a relationship, that you're going to bring baggage with you. And it's more apparent the older we get, because, you know, obviously, as we get older, more things happen in our life, we might get sick or we might have lost somebody or we might have had children or we might not have had children, you know, or we might have been through abusive relationships or we might have had a, a negative childhood. We might be holding on to trauma. Um, we might have been in a car crash that shaped us. We might have been in the army or in the military and some things, you know, affected our psyche. Um, you know, we might have been... Um, in an accident that's affected our physical ability, you know, and that's going to change our whole outlook on life. Um, we might have had financial disarray. You know, we might have won the lottery. Um, we might have become a millionaire overnight through some level of inheritance or a business that's just gone absolutely wild. You know, we don't know what brings us to where we get to, but certainly as we get older, we... um you know, we we have more experiences under our belt that have shaped us. So, you know, what does shape us? So, you know, first of all, you know, it's, this is in no particular order, by the way, but, you know, fear and trauma, so traumatic experiences, they shape us, they imprint on our nervous system. So our nervous system is almost like the memory of the body, and it remembers things that have happened, and it causes us to react in a specific way. And, you know, our sympathetic nervous system will move us into flight, fright, f- flight, fright, flight, fright, freeze or fawn, which is basically the different kind of levels of, of response to trauma. Now, fight or flight, as I've said before in some of my other episodes, is a really standard response to getting our body activated, getting our body activated to deal with a stress. But if we're in chronic fight or flight, that's not great for our health. But if we have traumatic experiences, we might experience, you know, people pleasing, which is fawning. And we might also experience freezing, which is like disassociation. And, you know, obviously also fight and flight as well. So our nervous system shapes us. And if we don't ever get to the root of what's caused those body changes or our system changes or our response changes, our threat response changes... Then we will never unpick that, and we will be with that situation for a long time. So you know, trauma and fear is something that we need to consider if we're looking at who we are and why we are the way we are. Attachment types. So these shape us. These are these shape us through our um, relationships that we had with our primary caregivers when we were children, and these imprint on our romantic relationships. And if we have had a situation in our childhood where we, didn't, we weren't brought up in a secure environment, that could have been through abuse, witnessing abuse. It could have been through parents who were preoccupied with themselves or an addiction or their job. Um, or it could have been um, being, you know, undermined by your parents or, you know, told you weren't good enough. It could have been, you know, in my situation, I had an ill sibling. I adore my sister. I adore my parents. But that affected my attachment type because I always felt like I needed to do more. I needed to sort of show people that I was lovable because my sister got all the attention. So, you know, I've got a a slightly faulty attachment type, which can be remedied if I'm in a relationship with somebody who's very secure, so you know it's it's about understanding like what do you need to resolve or to support you with your attachment type but every single human being has an attachment type and if you don't know what your attachment type is how can you own yourself because you wouldn't you need to understand the dynamics then with other people because if you're going consistently to relationships that don't work with your attachment type then you're always going to be in environments where you're not happy and you're always going to feel like you're not good enough or you're always going to feel like you can't find the right person because you know you are superior or you might be in a position where you know you're feeling like wow I really don't know my head's in a spin because one minute I want to be with somebody and the next minute it's all too much and I need to pull away you know so these are all these different kinds of attachment types and obviously of the four attachment types there is a primary attachment type, well, I wouldn't say primary, but there is an attachment type that is secure, which basically means that you were brought up in a loving family and you have grown into an adult who, you know, is just there with loving relationships and it's all easy for you. And, you know, I guess like in those scenarios, you are relatively happy in your own skin from an attachment type, but you may still come across people who have got attachment types that then just don't work with you. And that might then cause, um you know an impact but by and large people with a secure attachment type will remove themselves from a situation that is making them feel um awkward and um so so attachment types are obviously you know a big part of what shapes us and we you know also our brain patterns as well so i am neurodiverse i'm adhd you might have autism. Um, you could be dyslexic, dyspraxia. There's a lot of different aspects on the neurodiverse spectrum, or you could be neurotypical. So that's an also a thing. Um, you might have a personality disorder. So that's also gonna um, be a, 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 gonna shape you as well. You might have um, mental health scenarios um around um you know mood mood variations as well so it's sort of like bipolar or um you know severe depression and you know of course that's going to shape you as well some of those do come from um traumatic experience and attachment type so they are like a byproduct of that but they will then shape how you behave and how you interact with other people But then there's also things like whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. So whether you're an introvert or an extrovert defines the kind of energy that you need. So if you're an introvert, you get your energy mainly from within. And if you're an extrovert, you get your energy mainly from external sources. And so, you know, people make an assumption that an extrovert means you're all loud and noisy, but that's not necessarily the case. Extroversion is that you need energy of others. So I am ambivert, and that basically means that... I'm really not the life and soul of the party. I can chat a lot and I can be quite, you know, you know, I guess, you know, conversational. Um, But when I say I need my extrovert energy replenishing it means I just need to go somewhere where it's busy I need to go and sit in a coffee shop and work rather than work at home or I need to go to a gym I don't want to talk to anyone in the gym but I just want to know that that gym is busy so I go at a peak time when I know or peakish so I can get on the equipment but I know there's going to be people around me you know I cannot bear to work out in an empty gym it just does nothing for me um but then you know as an ambivert there are days when I'm just like I just need solitude I just need to be on my own and partly when I travel if I travel on my own that's one of the things I enjoy about it is just being on my own and obviously you know I'm usually surrounded by a lot of people because I'm in a busy holiday destination but I like to spend a lot of time on the beach and that's when I get my alone time but you know introverted and extroverted um, personalities definitely shape us and shape what we need and then another one which actually you know this is quite an interesting subject area and I was I was at one point minded to do my um dissertation for my degree in this subject area but I changed my mind and I did something else but it was regards to um our star signs and our horoscopes and how our um kind of uh, i you know how this impacts our personality so again for example I'm a cancerian and it's well known that cancerians you know one of the most emotional um um you know of the of the, of the zodiac and I am and you know it's probably you know with me having ADHD as well but I am very emotional and I love being by the water but I also have some of the other common traits as well of a, of a Cancerian in that you know people might make an assumption that you know I'm quite hard on the outside because that's how I perceive you know I have this I guess like you know this kind of like armor around me but inside I'm just a big old softy and you know I'm literally just scratching the surface there on a cancer um horoscope but you know I know quite a few people who are really into this and you know also things like numerology and stuff like that there's so many kinds of I guess kind of like mystical um areas of our psyche as well that do do make sense into what shapes us um, but again, and again, you know, there's all, you know, one of the first things I do if I'm dating somebody is, um, have a look to see whether I'm compatible with that star sign and, you know, I, and then I, I usually see some of that person that like if only my maybe met like, I don't know, seven or eight times, I usually see some of that person in the write up about them. So I definitely agree that horoscopes do, do, you know, create, a level of, you know, a, a layer of our, of our persona and who we are. Then on top of that, you've got things like your knowledge, your skills, your ability, like, you know, where did you go to school? What, like, also society, you know, class, where were you, what sort of environment were you taught in? What's your education? You know, what, did you go to university or did you, you know, did you go to um, do an, a, an apprenticeship? You know, have you learned on the job? I mean, you know, there's no, in my mind, there's no um, uh, disparity It's long as long as it works for you. But, you know, in the past, certain employers, you know, would only take people in with a certain grade of a degree to go onto a graduate program. And so therefore, you know, some people might have gone through graduate programs because they were higher in their academic and their academics might have been higher because they came from a more affluent family or because they came from a family that had a more stable background or a more, you know, um, affluent um, area of of the 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 region and you know again it's it's so that has an impact you know if you add that to some of the things like fear and trauma and attachment types and then your kind of your knowledge skills and abilities you know it it does no wonder that makes sense that you know some people who are in Um, you know deprived areas or who've lived a deprived childhood you know they don't have the academics Um, doesn't necessarily mean they don't go on to do great things but they've got a completely different background that shaped them and they come to the table with totally different things so somebody who's had this privileged background can't give advice or could give advice that other person but they're going to be from two different schools of thought and their way of tackling life will be completely different to that other person's way of tackling life and that leads me on to sort of social societal conditioning because you know again we all we all get shaped by things like what does society say we should do you know so society might have always said well go to university society might now say well still go to university but you're going to rack up a lot of debt so make an informed decision um you know, and there's also this thing like, you know, get married, have kids. And some people might get to a certain point in their life and they feel like they've lost their life because they've had four kids and they've not been able to do anything with it. Some people might get to a point in their life and, you know, and think, right, my life has been my kids and I'm so happy. You know, then their kids leave home and all of a sudden they're empty. You know, so it's like whatever path we take shapes us. You know, I don't have kids. And, you know, this is part of me that is sad about that. And then there's a part of me that is glad I've got nieces and nephews, um, you know, and I find other ways to, you know, to use those skills of nurturing and caring for other people. But, you know, again, I had a recent conversation with somebody where that came up and, you know, there was an assumption um, about me that I had more time on my hands to you know, to be more introverted in terms of um, introspective, sorry, in terms of, you know, my own self needs and not because I wasn't caring for somebody else. And, you know, that was their opinion. It's, it's it's not true but it kind of I guess like does make some sense but again that made me feel uncomfortable because I was like well I don't want to be judged because I don't have kids especially not in that way because if I'm not having kids and I'm spending more time on myself then that's a positive but in their eyes that was a negative so I then felt judged which then made me feel some level of shame shame for maybe being selfish and shame for not having kids so you know it's like this is the sort of stuff that then shapes us um you know and societal conditioning about the kind of work we should do and the kind of job we should have and what our parents want us to do and what our academic background should say that we're doing and you know there's so many things that sort of push us into this environment and then obviously on top of that you've got cultural values and conditioning so that's going to be like the culture that you live in as in like whether that's kind of like religious whether that's a kind of environmental culture um whether that's um from your parents whether that's um a a country country as a whole. And so it's all about values and conditioning there. Then obviously you get your own personal values as you're going through life. So you bring in your own ideas and the things that are important to you. And of course, again, they're gonna be completely different to somebody else. I mean, you may find somebody like a friend or a partner who has very similar values to you, but then that person might not have the same star sign and they might have been through trauma and you haven't, or they might have got a degree and you don't. So again, you're just gonna be completely different. So you might have the same values, but your life will have come at it from different angles. And then this bias and judgment of others. So, you know, unconscious bias is a really big thing in the area of diversity and inclusion, because, you know, people form an assumption of somebody through things that they've experienced. And, you know, for example, um, I'll use a, a, a very uh, strong example here, which, you know, is, is a a factual example, but it's, it's nonsense. Um, is that when I was younger, my dad got beaten up and he got beaten up by two black men. And, you know, there was this thing in our family at the time was like, you know, that black men, then we were scared of black men because we thought they were violent. And of course that's absolutely rubbish because you can be violent whatever colour your skin is. And it just so happened that my dad got beaten up that night, but very badly by two black men. If he'd have been beaten up by two white men, then, you know, we probably also would have had some fear around just generally being beaten up or, you know, that kind of fear. But of course, that isn't true. I've got black friends, um, you know, I've got black um, people people within my family. I've got mixed race, nephews. Um, And so, you know, that isn't true. But of course, you can see how one experience can create some kind of bias and judgment towards others. And um, as I said, I'm totally, you know, all about inclusion and belonging. So I have no um, sort of racial or um, discriminatory biases. But it's impossible to not have any kind of bias because, you know, you, you're you subjected to things in life. So for example, it could be, you know, I, I, so, all right, I'll give you another good example. When my dad was young and my dad had a beard and he had a mustache and then he left home and then throughout my very young life, I always gravitated towards men as in like, you know, like uncles and just like authority figures who had a beard because I just always felt like more secure with that man with a beard. Um, So because I guess I was like, you know, looking for somebody who represented my dad. And so that was a bias and a judgment of others, but it was completely harmless. But that was because of what I'd been, you know, subjected to. And then also, you know, you might be feel guilty over things from the past. So therefore, that's going to shape your interactions as well. So you know, if you've, perhaps done something in the past that you know was a bad experience with somebody you know you might try to be kind of resolving that through your interactions with people who look the same or act the same or are the same going forward and therefore you know that's going to shape who you are as well and then last but not least as I said these are in no order your family patterns so you know certain things like say for example you know again it's crazy stuff like this like when we were little we would always have dessert you know, so it's kind of like, I don't do that now. I don't have dessert after my meal at night, like I don't have anything sweet, but I have a sweet tooth. And so if I go out for a meal, I'm always thinking, oh, after a meal, I'll definitely get some ice cream. Whereas I know loads of people who don't want a dessert, they'd rather have like a starter or just have a main course, you know, so it's, that's a little thing like that. But it could be other things, family patterns, I know, like, you know, How often you go on holiday, um, how you spend your money, um, the way that you have your house laid out, um, you know, who takes responsibility in a relationship for the finances. You know, if it was always your dad when you were a child, then you might just assume that it should be the man now. If it was your mum, then you might be very, you know confident as a female to say no it's me I'm going to take responsibility for finances they might not have had a joint bank account so you'd be like well I don't want a joint bank account they might have had a double-barreled surname so you might say well actually you know I don't really want to take your surname I want to keep mine or have a double-barreled if you get married so you know there's so many things that happen and all these things I have probably only just scratched you know the tip of the iceberg here um is that you know you you are shaped by so many things And so, you know, how do we, how do we accept this? Because all of those things that shape us will, you know, present our personality, our psyche, our behaviors, um, our ways of being, our belief system and our values. And then we will almost like project that onto other people because that's what we believe to be true. You know, that's our version of the world. And again, as I keep saying, somebody else perhaps a partner or a friend or an employer or a manager, you know, or even a sibling or a parent, they'll have their own version of the world. And we're always navigating somebody else's version of the world versus our own. And it's its, it's, it's going to create, you know, conflict and stress and arguments and, you know... It's 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 just going to be a fact of life, but you know, by and large, it's about how do we navigate around other people's needs and other people's, you know, way of being and our own. So really, the main thing is about just owning yourself with grace and compassion and letting somebody else own themselves with grace and compassion. You know, I've had some what I would class as healthy debates that turned into unhealthy debates about religion in the past, and they've started as a you know, well, I think this and I think that and it's turned into an argument and you know people walking out of the room and slamming doors and frosty next mornings because you know you've kind of like got this awkward silence because no one wants to break it because of the awkwardness of the conversation the night before you know so that's just one example but it's like if we own ourselves with grace grace and compassion which means that you know we 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 treat ourselves with um you know, compassion and care and honour ourselves and we allow other people to do that to themselves, then we, you know, we're on a track to avoiding some of this conflict and just in this whole space of self-acceptance and acceptance of others. So, you know, some of the key things you can do is like letting go of guilt, you know, accepting ourselves on the good days and the bad days, feeling into the emotions that we're feeling without judgment of ourselves or others accepting our past because you cannot change the past you can only affect the present and potentially the future but you cannot change your past you need to accept it sharing your story because this can empower you and it can empower others because if you share your own story and you talk about where your struggles have been or where your strengths have been that can inspire people and it can also allow people to be um more understanding of you and your needs and where you've come from but also being vulnerable you know again I've had a conversation recently with someone who said they didn't like being vulnerable and to me like being vulnerable is a a, a quality you know to me it's a great thing to have but some people find that very hard they find it disturbing they find it you know unsettling and I get that and it's about understanding that some people just don't want to be in that place and you know allowing them to be there with grace and compassion But then it's about accepting our weaknesses and our blind spots. So, you know, if we know that we've got certain things that are holding us back or if we know that we don't know that we've got certain things that are holding us back, but other people can see it and it becomes a bit of a pattern and a theme from feedback from others. Sometimes we need to listen to that because, you know, if there is a regular occurrence or even a regular pattern of something happening in your life, that's a blind spot. Especially if you're not addressing it, it keeps happening. That's a blind spot. So it's about accepting that. And that can be quite hard. But as I said, it's about doing it all with grace and compassion. So not, you know, not with guilt, not with shame, not with judgment, but grace and compassion. And then it's about cultivating growth in the areas that we want to be more of. So, you know, if we're happy in a certain part of our life, you know, what's that formula? Or if we're looking at people who have done something really well, what's their formula? Or if we don't know what the formula is, how about going out and finding it? But it's about cultivating growth to be more of what we want to be more of. And then trying to abolish the parts of us that we don't want to be a stand for. So if we're not happy about bits of ourselves, the only person that can actually eradicate that is yourself. You know, so it's about standing up for yourself, to yourself, and saying enough is enough. It's like calling out your own BS and letting go of, of 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 that with grace and compassion. You know, but it's 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 the work that we need to do, and it's part of this whole thing about having agency and owning yourself. The other thing about that as well is letting people in, because quite often people think that they have to do everything by themselves. And, you know, I can recognize this from past relationships where they wouldn't let me in. They wouldn't let me in. And it obviously impacted our relationship, but that was on them. That was on them. They wouldn't let me in. And so because they wouldn't let me in, you know, they are potentially still where they always were. I'm not saying that I would have helped them or I was there to save them, but. I could have held space for them and I could have given them some time. I could have perhaps, you know, signposted tools or even just listened to them. But a lot of people, they don't, you know, they're not happy being vulnerable. They don't want to let people in. The only thing we can do in those situations is just, you know, let that person own themselves with grace and compassion. We cannot change them. It's down to them. And... You know, the other flip side of that is not letting people in, you know. So it's like if we feel that we are um, being judged by somebody or if we feel like somebody is telling us something we don't want to hear because either it's not the right time or we don't even agree with what they're saying or it's really painful or it's just, you know, they're just not your messenger. They're just not the person that you need to hear this from. Then ignore it. You know, and sometimes that's hard, but find a way again with grace and compassion. So, I hope this was helpful. As always, you know, I would recommend that if you are interested in going through any of this in more detail, then of course, this can be a clear area for coaching because coaching is all around how do we move forward, and we can only move forward when we understand what's holding us back, as I always say with my acceptance and commitment therapy coaching, what we do is we look at where you are and we look at committing to a values-aligned life. And I will work with you to help you move forward to that, to remove yourself from the blocks that hold you back. And, you know, as always, this is might not be applicable to you. This episode might be suitable for somebody else. I would love for you to share it or download it if you want to listen to it again. And I would also love you to... um you know, connect with me on social media and also subscribe to this podcast so that you get notified every time the episodes come out. And also, please do leave me a review. If this was helpful for you, I would love for you to give me some feedback. And as always you know, drop me a message if there's anything you want me to talk about or any feedback you've got on any of my content. So I'm going to love you and leave you. And I really hope that after this session today, you will go out and think to yourself, you know what? I am who I am. I am who I am. And so many things have shaped me. And I'm happy in my own skin. And if I'm not, I'm going to do something about it. But I'm going to do it. Nobody else is going to do it for me. Nobody else is saving me. Nobody else is challenging me. It's just me doing me for me. And that's going to lead you towards a much happier life. Okay. So I'm going to love you and leave you and I'll speak to you again soon. All right. Much love. Bye.